This week's podcast is a flashback to one of our favorite fat loss myths exposed with sports dietitian Harriet Walker. So look, Harriet's going to talk about post-ISO, the shred. We're going to talk to her about exposing some fat loss myths, faster cardio, can we eat potatoes and bread, are they bad for you? We're going to educate you on all things health, fitness, nutrition to support your goals. Let's get it on. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy, and we're going to talk female nutrition myths with dietitian to the stars, Harriet Walker. How are you, Harriet? Hey, well, thanks, Greg. I'm doing doing well in the sunshine up here. How's and... ISO life treating you? Oh, man, it's been like a... Couldn't have predicted it if I tried. Pretty much out the other end now, a lot of disruption, but I feel like, you know, I'm going to really appreciate the gym when I go back. Never yeah, going to win about the warm-up. Are people still talking to their dietitians during ISO? There was a couple of weeks there where they were a bit reluctant but now as we come out of isolation period I think people are getting very excited to have a chat to me about re-establishing some healthier habits that might have gone out the window during isolation get off the fork and keep the fridge shut yeah Tuesday wines are no longer a thing guys I'm sorry school night stop it so you've you've pulled a topic up you've gone through and had a chat to the customer service team and what, what type of things are being asked and yep. you pulled five female nutrition myths yeah absolutely so, so let's start are... with the first one you need to do faster cardio yeah yeah, so this is a good one and it's covered in previous podcasts. Dr. Mack, we covered off on a little bit of this one, but I, it's still definitely a topic that confuses people and then still gets asked. So when people are still asking the question, we you know, should run over it again, perhaps from a couple of different angles. Needing to do fasted cardio, and I'm assuming that these people are looking to drop a little bit of body fat. I think that's the reason why people look at... You nailed that on the head there, Harriet. Yeah, they're, they're trying to you know get rid of a bit of extra body fat and rumour has it that you have to do that fasting because it'll enhance fat oxidation, which is actually true. It will enhance fat oxidation whilst you're doing the slow, steady state exercise, or if, you, if there's no other substrates there to be used, we will use body fat as energy. However, and this is a big caveat to this, you know, we might be increasing fat oxidation during the training bout that we're doing. However, across the 24-hour period, this doesn't necessarily mean that at the end of the day, we will have lost weight unless we're also a calorie deficit. So it's the calorie deficit that is the most important thing for weight loss. So if you are overeating your calories and doing fasted cardio, you're burning calories, but you're still in a surplus, you're not going to lose any body fat because there's no deficit there. This has been studied actually quite comprehensively, this this debate, the um, fasted cardio versus fed cardio. And there's a really nice study by Brad Schoenfeld and his team, and it was done in 2014. It looked at fasted cardio versus is fed cardio had 20 females do this so this is really good for this population mm-hmm. this actually specifically studies this demographic and they look at one hour of cardio three days a week they had customized diet according to their the individual's needs they were all the participants were in a 500 calorie deficit early morning training they all had matched protein as well so they tried to control for all the variables good that study. might interrupt with this mm-hmm. yeah so it was, it was really well designed and what they found that there was no significant all the you know all participants 
difference, you know, saw changes in their body weight, but there was no significant difference between the groups. So the people who did fed cardio in the morning versus the people who did fasted cardio, they all lost weight together. However, there was no significant difference from doing fasted cardio on top of, you know, being a calorie deficit. So in this research project, did they actually do fasted cardio or did they just do cardio before eating in the morning? Well, that's a good question. I think it was um, the last meal was the night before. Mm-hmm. So again, it probably wasn't, well, depending, it was after dinner, I mean, after a sleep. So we're assuming that there's probably maybe like a 10-hour period. What it isn't indicating is it was low glycogen or low energy availability. So we don't actually know what the actual energy status of the person was. They, they could have had full muscle glycogen even though they'd slept overnight. So that's, mm-hmm. again, that was one of the points that Dr. Mack also highlighted was the fact that when people think they're doing fasted cardio, they're probably actually mm-hmm. not just completely doing, depleted. Just feel hungry cardio. Yeah, it's just like a bit uncomfortable cardio or, you know, whatnot. So it's hardio cardio. Do you know what the um, name of that podcast we did with Dr. Mack was? I think it was a was big it fat loss myth. Yeah. Maybe it was fat loss myths. Yeah. I think so. So, Harry, yeah, number one, right. you need to do fasted cardio, yes or no? No, you do not You need to do fasted cardio to lose weight. It's personal preference. Some people like to train unfed, and that's fine. Protein intake is important, however. So, nice. that's another that's another topic for another day. Okay. Well, you didn't put that on here, so we're going to jog on. Is that all right? Yeah, we can totally jog on. Okay. Our next female nutrition myth, yes or no, taking creatine will make me bulky. Yeah. This is, um, one of those ones that you know when I hear this a lot and again this is anecdotal when women are starting to do weights training uh, one of the supplements that's really popular in weightlifting is creatine so creatine is a substance that we make ourselves in our body we get it from food so we have it through diet it's in our muscles our cells and, and at any one time we're about 60% saturation give or take within the muscle cell and it helps with energy production so with the turnover of ATP which is an energy unit as we do exercise, we use up ATP. It goes into ADP, adenosine diphosphate, and it loses a molecule off it. And if we want to turn the, the used molecules back into the useful ATP, we need a phosphate group to be added back in, which is a bit techie, but bear with me. So we can do this at a relatively reasonable state, but if we have saturated higher levels of creatine in our muscles, that creatine can help donate that extra molecule so that we've got faster regeneration of energy in our muscle cells, which means in a session, we're probably better able to get more reps out. We can go a little bit faster, go a little bit harder, recover better in between bouts of exercise. So you multiply that up over the total of a year and we're actually doing, a, you know, we've got more capacity to do more volume in our training and that obviously leads to better outcomes, basically. So creatine is a really well-researched substance. It's relatively affordable. Well, it's affordable for people who are serious about going to training. It's, it's definitely one that you could keep in there relatively easily, safe, and it works for most people. So it's definitely one of those supplements that is really useful. But what there is an association with creatine is weight gain, and it's generally associated with water weight. So that's the first thing. Some people may put on, it's somewhere in the vicinity of half a kilo of a little bit of extra water. And it may be that this subsides once they get used to the extra creatine in their body. And it's not everybody who has this effect. So some people can <clears> take creatine and they will see no difference in their body weight. So the first thing is that, yes, it can. That's about 20% of, of people non-respond, if I remember correctly from research? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually not sure on the top of my head, but if you've read that, we'll roll with it. Then, you know, there's plenty of people who don't get that water weight. And then also we just need to remember that it's not fat mass that you're putting on. It is water weight and it actually can help enhance your training. So does that mean so, it's classified as lean muscle because uh, it's not no, fat? Well, it's not fat. It's not lean muscle either. It would be non-fat mass, fat-free mass. <laughs> 
it, it might sort of increase the volume of the muscle, but it's not necessarily laying down new protein, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of a bit of extra water retention in the in the cell. So it's not fat mass. So basically, it, it's not going to make you bulky. <laughs> and we we sort of so that's have, a big question. It. Will it make me bulky? The answer is no. No, it's not going to make you bulky. Not not at all. Like there is some water retention for some people, but again, it's only a small amount, and it may sort of dissipate as you get used to it, as you adapt to using the creatine. So I think risk versus reward. You know, if I'm going to get some extra reps out, if I'm getting into my training, then creatine is definitely something that as a female strength athlete, I'm um, giving a big high five to. Here's a big one. And we've probably all had a little bit more of this than we've had in the last couple of weeks than what we normally have is we need to cut bread to lose weight. Yeah. So this one is a bit of a favorite of mine because I am a sourdough. Mm, you love your sourdough. Aficionado. Yeah. Yep. Anytime, anywhere. And bagels. Bagels are probably one of my favorite pre-training snacks to have. Good old 60 gram chunk of carbs before training and I can get through anything. Anyone listening just needs to know that Harriet does a lot of power lifting. Is that the correct word to use? Powerlifting, strong man. Strong person. Oh, I mean, strong person. Strong yeah, person. Just like lifting, lifting weights. And you do a lot, lot of, of high intensity stuff too, don't you? But yeah, you don't tell your strong high... person people that. No, you no. hide that from strong people yeah. and you hide the weightlifting from the other people. Yeah, exactly. You know, two worlds collide and everyone freaks out. But <laughs> so yeah, you eat a bagel so before you train. Sometimes, if I know it's going to be a big session, A, I love bagels and B, it's great energy to get me through a session. So um, is your mindset weight loss then or you're just looking at, I want to get through a good session? Both. I mean, yeah. I'm not looking gain weight. <laughs> yeah, true. Because the question is you need to cut out bread to lose weight. No, you absolutely do not need to cut out bread. Now, here's a here's a detail the around Walker that. All bread diet coming out <laughs> next week. Now, this is uh, this is not where we're going with this. Again, it's the same with the, do I need to do fasted cardio to lose weight? Weight loss will occur when you are able to achieve a consistent energy deficit. So, you don't need to cut out any specific foods. There's no foods that are more fattening or I mean, the foods that are more energy dense so per gram they provide more calories so if you eat a lot of those food you're going to be more likely to run out of energy budget faster yep. so that's one thing and but it feels good during the day and not and not yeah probably not feel as good again we need to look at nutritional value of the food that you're consuming so how many vitamins and minerals it provides you but generally speaking if you manage your you know energy intake you can have um, bread it's not inherently fattening what is going to cause you to put on weight is just a general increase in energy intake beyond what you expend. So if I had a calorie budget to say maintain my weight was 2,000 calories and I consistently ate 1,800 calories worth of bread, I'm not going to be healthy because that's not a balanced diet, but I'm also not going to put on weight. 1,800 calories of bread a day, that's almost a happy state, isn't it? Oh, man. I mean, I'm not sure if you'd be able to It wouldn't be long-term. A couple of days later, you'd be thinking, get me off this crap. But Yeah. yeah. It's a really good strategy is to overeat the food that you really love and then you (laughs) kind of get put off them a little bit. I'm not recommending that. But um, you can imagine that, you know, that's a lot of bread. If any dietitians want to dial in now and have a crack at you, where do they go to? At Athletic Eating on Instagram. Oh, no, can of worms. Yeah, send all the uh, hate mail to her, not to us, please. (laughs) So you don't need to cut out bread to lose weight. You just got to look no. at what you're eating, get your calories right and keep it all. Yeah. Talk to somebody who knows what they're doing if you're food planning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another question that was sort of related to this one, so we might actually just lump it, lump it together, was avoiding potatoes as well. And it's the same answer. I mean, yes, there's carbohydrate in potatoes, but unless you're overeating potatoes, unless you're eating 3,000 calories. Let's pull out calories. your stat that you put in one of our previous podcasts about the, the food that has the number one satiety rating. Uh, from you all research. You read my mind. I was just about to bring that up oh, because I didn't Sorry. remember that. Oh, no, no, no. 
it was good. It was a good segue. So, yeah, the number one most satiating, which means, you know, enhancing the feeling of fullness, is the humble boiled white potato. So, in fact, you may look at the humble potato as a weight loss tool if you want to stay full. And, again, as long as you're not going on your calorie budget. And week what, one on Harry's new diet is bread or week week two is potatoes or week. Breaded potatoes or <laughs> the Irish diet. So hopefully we don't do that because I think you'd get scurvy. Eat your fruits and vegetables and eat a balanced diet. And well, that leads into our next question we've been asked, Harriet, is you shouldn't eat fruit due to its high sugar content when trying to lose weight. Yeah, everyone's just on the carbs. Everyone's got a real phobia of carbs and it's really interesting. Before we kick into that, why do you think we have a phobia of carbs? And this sort of stuff comes in cycles. Like mm. it's definitely like a 10 or 20 year cycle. There was a period in like the early 80s through to probably early 90s where fat was, you know, fattening. No food, no one food or macronutrient is inherently going to make you put on weight accidentally. The foods that are more likely for us to overeat and therefore put on weight are the ones where we've got sugar and fat together because that's a really killer combination. Do you want to tell people why? High palatability. Our brain senses high energy and because we are survival humans, we like surviving as humans, our brain knows inherently deep down in a lizard part of our brain that high energy food means survival. And so when we have this sweet and fat in our mouth, we know that's high energy and it sends a message to the brain to say reward, keep going because this is going to keep us alive. Unfortunately, Mm. these days we have energy coming out of our ears. So we don't need to worry about going through famines in our society these days. It's not a threat as it used to be. There was a bit of worry about that a few weeks ago. Well, I mean, everyone's got a lot of toilet paper and pasta in their cupboard now, I think. <laughs> so it's okay to eat fruit? Yeah, absolutely. Two pieces a day because we also need to look at the fact that fruit also provides us with fiber, it's high water content, and there's lots of vitamins and minerals in that. We need to look at nutrition more on a whole rather than looking at single nutrients and demonizing them. Okay. The fifth and final question that we've been asked is you shouldn't snack. I don't yes. really know where that came from or what that means, but that's what's been asked. Well, people think that snacking is going to make them put on weight. And this is there's a little bit of nuance to this answer. So first thing is there's no rules on how many meals a day you should eat. Some people enjoy two big meals. Some people like three square meals. Some people enjoy having, you know, three main meals and snacks. Lots of different combinations. But again, it comes down to what's your energy budget and how are you going to split that up across the day in a manner that helps you feel full, that you enjoy, and that allows you to get enough nutrients in from your food. So, so on that snacking concept, is there any metabolic value in snacking versus non-snacking diet? It's not necessarily going to rev up your metabolism per se. Mm-hmm. What happens when we eat food is there's this thing called the thermic effect of food. So we get an increase. It's associated with the energy cost of burning and digesting that food. So it costs energy for your body to take the food in its whole form and to break it down so that you can use it. And that process of breaking down increases our metabolic rate just you know for the period that we're digesting and it'll go back down to normal. So I think the theory was that if you have regular meals across the day that you would be stoking your metabolism and then it'd be coming back down again. But it's actually not sort of a significant difference in energy output because of that. So it doesn't really matter if you have six little meals. In fact, you know, it might be good for you let your body sort of rest and digest for a bit. The other sort of caveat to that is, again, and I bang on about it, but protein distribution is really important. So when I say that there's no rules for how many meals you should have, there is a pretty 
good research to say that if you're looking at putting on lean muscle mass, at least three square meals with um, around 0.4 grams of protein per meal per kilo body weight, because we know that regular pulses of protein across the day, evenly distributed, will increase 24-hour muscle protein synthesis rates. So whilst you, you could get away with two meals, if you're looking at building lean muscle mass, which like, I mean, who isn't? especially after COVID-19, I've definitely lost lost a bit of muscle. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm a bit sad. I don't actually want to talk about okay. it. It's emotional. But yeah, so protein intake is definitely one that we need to uh, account for. So even if it was having, you know, two square meals plus a protein shake to make up the protein bolus, they're definitely doing that. And that's something that's actually a technique that I enlisted whilst in COVID-19, uh, increasing my protein intake to try and hold on to my muscle when I didn't have weights to lift. So do you want to take a minute and just Stay quiet for a minute. We can just RIP. The look at your eyes. are telling me the story of, yeah. There's nothing there. Well, Harry, thanks for coming on board today. That was a quick one, but a good one. Five female nutrition myths. Is there anything you want to add to the end of this? Just a little bit of knowledge that we, we could all enjoy and wrap ourselves in? Look, I've been talking to a lot of people post, you know, ISO. And I think the main thing is consistency. There's no one way to eat. Mm-hmm. There are many different ways that we can eat that everyone can enjoy. And it's around figuring out what your brand of eating looks like. You know, you need to eat a certain amount of nutrients to to stay healthy but within that parameter there is heaps of different patterns of eating that will sustain good health and get you good results so i would say try not to look at what everyone else is doing and do the work on figuring out what works best for you nice good advice and just in closing what's a safe amount of weight loss each week for us to look at? Generally, I prescribe 0.5 to 1% of your body weight. So that's nice and slow. Generally, that's associated with, you know, a very mild calorie deficit with some exercise and just looking after incidental movement as well. And that will generally result in weight loss that you can maintain. maintain. Maintenance is the goal. Nice. That's five nutrition tips with Harriet. Thanks for coming on board, Harriet. Thanks for having me. I'll catch you later. Bye.